I am Tova Cito. And I am Janice Gant. And we believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And that it is our job to get us there. Every week, we will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The The Remedy. Well, welcome everyone. Happy, well, I was going to say happy Monday because it's our Monday. Happy whatever day you're listening to this. Welcome to the next episode of The Remedy with Tobacito and Janice Gant. <laughs> Hi, Janice. Hi, Tova. To- Janice sounds a little better than you do this week, Tova. <laughs> <laughs> Tova. Tova is on a little vacay, so we have her far across the country. Yes, I am. I am in a tank top and shorts, sitting outside on the bay of Miami. I I would send y'all a picture, but you'd hang up on me. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly what we right. would do. <laughs> not be happy for me. You'd just be pissed. No, we'd be so <laughs> sad for us. <laughs> I'm yeah, glad you're there. That's so beautiful. fun. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful day here. It rained this morning. When does it rain in Miami? I don't know, but some because they've got lots of foliage. Yeah, they sure do. I mean, the backyard I'm sitting in right now is so beautiful. It's just beautiful. Miami's sort of beautiful. And it's just so nice. I mean, I I was cold. I, when I landed here yesterday, I was wearing a stocking cap. And my girlfriend that met me, she was like laughing. She's like, why are you dressed like that? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was cold in Dallas. I know. It was when I left. How is it there? Uh, it's actually pretty nice today. It's pretty sunny. Nice. I don't know how warm it is. Maybe 60, 60 58, degrees, something yeah. like that. It was, it was in the 40s probably this morning. But it's, it's oh. really nice. I, I, well, you know, I think so far Dallas has been great with the winter. Yeah, it's it's coming, but I think it has too. At least the sun's shining. That makes a big difference. Oh, it makes all the difference in the world. Well, you'll come back oh. so rejuvenated, you know. Oh. Just getting out of oh. town with the whole COVID thing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. I went to Austin last weekend to visit one of my best friends, and and... I was there, let's see, I went Wednesday and came back Friday, and it, I, it, was, it was like I had a B12 shot. It just gave me so much energy to drive to Austin and then hang out with my friend and her family and then eat dinner and shop and then come back. It was great just to leave. Yeah, there, there, there really is. I mean, you always, some of your best, I think, marital advice is once a quarter change your zip code. Yeah. Change your zip code. Yeah. And it, you know, Craig, Craig, like the guy I'm dating, Craig, like you, Janice, he has a lake house. And whenever, like, we don't have our kids, I'm like, let's go to the lake. Like, even, I mean, his lake house is beautiful. It's not like, even if you just go to the lake, but there is just something about changing your zip code that I, I really... I so believe that it is a game changer. It changes your mood. It changes. It can change your relationship. It it 
so good for you. Well, so it, for you. It, it really is. And I really encourage people to, you know, e- even we have a lake house and I love our lake house, but I need even a little more than that sometimes because just to go to a hotel, you know, is so mm-hmm. nice. Oh, yeah. Have somebody make your bed. Yeah, have somebody change the sheets. I never put that. Well, oh, I shouldn't say that because people will be mad at me. I never put that do not wash on my bed sign. Yeah, all my towels are on the floor, too. I mean, I'm with you. Every last towel and washcloth is on the floor. We were were cut from the same cloth, sister. Uh, I know. <laughs> okay, so we need to thank our sponsor of today's episode. Um, do you know Dr. Brad Schwal? No. Therapist? I do. He, uh, yeah, oh yeah, you do know Brad Schwal, Kev. Yeah, I know Brad and, and he sponsored. Yeah, he uh, sponsored today's episode, and he's the one who was like, um, he, he submitted some great questions for today. Good. Uh, but he and this other guy named Lee Porter, who is also the sponsor of today's episode, they're sharing the sponsorship, um, came up with this idea. Both of them, when they, when they gave, they were like, please do, they requested a, a male bent with a, like, do something for guys. Um, like, please talk about something for guys. And, uh, and so I, sent that to you, Janice, and you came up with this great idea. Why don't we ask our listeners to submit some questions? <laughs> and we got some awesome questions. I mean, awesome questions. Good. I, <laughs> I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed with the male species, Kev, with your people. <laughs> your pe- your people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's... I'm, I'm usually not, so... Well, and the spin we put on it was what what would men like for women to know about men? What men want women to know about men, which is which I thought would be really fun because I could tell you a lot of things that I think about men, but if a guy is saying this, you should know this about guys for the most part. Uh, I think it was really interesting to, I ask a whole lot of people, I ask strangers. The other day on my walk, I stopped people. And I was like, "Uh I asked guys, I was like, "Um, so I do this podcast and I, and so this is our topic for the week. And I wanted to ask you, what would you like for women to know about men? And they're like, this one guy was, gave me a lot of things, several things, and they were all really interesting and they all answered it. Okay, so Janet, when when I don't think I was that, I, I think you were better than me. I don't, I, the question that, questions that most people submitted were questions that men want to know, period. So I, I, I missed that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I think, I'm sure you sent that to me, but I, I did. Up, I, <laughs> On yeah, your text. I'm sure you sent that to me. I'm sure you said that you to said me. You said great idea. But, <laughs> I, I probably did too. <laughs> the questions that people submitted to me were like questions that that just men wanted to know. So yours yours is a little bit more specific. And so why don't we start with yours, Janice? And then because I'm thinking if you got a lot of feedback, I got I'd have a lot of questions. And so this might pour into next week. 
Well, um, or we, we could give. we could do yours and then do this and get a few more for next week if you want to. And then Kevin, I told him this when I got here today. I said, "Okay, so you may be the star of I'm this in the hot show." Seat. He's in the hot seat. So thinking, <laughs> what would you like for women? maybe your wife to know about you or men in general. And that's a tough question. I'm impressed that people were able to answer that on the spot. Well, it didn't. They had to think about it a little bit. It's still it's, it's impressive, though. It's hard to come okay. up with something like that off the top of your head, you know? It's one of those where I bet as soon as okay. they walked away from you, they thought of like 12 more. Probably. Yeah. One guy started giving me advice about, he was like, so where's your podcast and how do you do it and do you make <laughs> money on it? And blah, 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 blah. He said, I used to be in that business and... I thought, okay, yeah, I'm getting into too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Janet, I like your idea because I have, I have one, two, three, four, five, six. Hold on, six, six. Um, I have twelve questions, but they're pretty in depth. And so why don't we, why don't we answer mine? Why okay. don't we go through my questions? And then we'll, I really like your subject and that's not the question I asked. Okay. Before. So I'd love to get more feedback about that. And then why don't we tackle that next week? Sounds great. Yeah. Sounds great. So that's, what did you ask Dad, you them? Can be, you can still be the star of the show. <laughs> great. I can't wait. <laughs> so what, what did I you ask? Go ahead. I just said we we want to um, we want to answer guys' questions. So if got any guys who have questions for Janice and I that you'd like us to answer about anything, no topic is off limits. Okay. Um, you know. Yeah, so like it. We, cool. We got some good ones. Good. Um. Uh, okay. So all. Oh, and here's two more. So I just opened my Instagram. Okay. You ready? You ready, Pete? Yes. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. The girl I am dating is from me, and while I love her, I don't always understand her. How do we not let our differences get in the way of a great relationship? So you said, sorry, I couldn't un- really understand. You said, I, he said, I date a girl from where? He said, the girl I'm dating is so different from me, and while I love her i don't always understand her how do we not let our differences get in the way of a great relationship okay well do you want to answer that first well i would say i guess i would need more information i want to get curious about what are their differences um but i i mean i seem to i can, i guess i can only or I, I will answer it from my own perspective, uh, like my own experience. And that is, I, I love dating people that are different from me because I feel like it's challenging, um, also very rewarding. It, um, it doesn't keep me stagnant. You know, I, I, I look at differences in relationships as long as they're like healthy differences. I mean, if he drinks too much and I don't drink a lot or he's abusive and I'm not, those are, those are differences that are non-negotiable. But if he's like, if he's super communicative and I'm not, that's an opportunity. If he's super adventurous and I'm not, 
I look at that as, yeah, that's an opportunity. I think differences create opportunities to stretch people um, in new and exciting ways if we let it. Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that is. I think the thing that would be the differential in that that may, would make it not work is if it's outside of your value system. You know, so yeah. and there are some of those things that are outside of your value system. You know, Tom's value system has never really been expensive hotels. <laughs> That's definitely in my value <laughs> system. But he, he and he still doesn't really understand that or really enjoy it. But he's come in towards that with me. So, you know, so that, but that's not a huge value system difference. So some like on, but spending can be a pretty big value difference. So I think people would have to come up with some pretty firm negotiations around that if they were blending income or if one of the partner, the male or the female is not working. So, uh, you know, you would have to have some specific negotiation around that. I think the, the thing that was interesting to me about that question, I think it said, I don't understand her. What do I do about not understanding her or how can I understand her? The, I say give up trying to understand them because there's just a lot mm-hmm. about somebody that you're just not going to understand. It is not going to make sense to you. You don't have to understand it. No, you don't have to understand it. But you recognize the difference, and then you go like where you said, Tova, okay, well, viva la difference, you know, so that you, you know, you, you, can, you can live with it, but... But there are certain things that we just can't wrap our brains around sometimes that somebody else really does believe. So I think we yeah. sometimes we struggle with, oh, I should understand all of it. I don't think so. I think there's a lot you yeah. just don't understand. Yeah. I really I really like that freedom, Jess, that you just gave people because I think that I come from this thinking that, like, I, I used to, um, like, I have to understand it. Or mm-hmm. I need to be understood. And until I understood it or until I was understood, there was there was this wedge. You know, there was this, um, that it couldn't be, you know, one I've had to give in. And and I I really like the freedom that you've taught me. And I think that your, that statement you just said teaches others that, like, sometimes you don't have to understand everything. You don't. No, and I think you need to hear your partner. The hearing what somebody has to say or what their value is is very different than understanding it. You know, so I don't, so I think that that is the one thing that we really, is really important for us to do in relationships, and it'll help you with those differences. It'll help you move towards understanding. But if you hear it and you accept that it is what it is, then you can kind of go beyond it. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Um, Kev, any, any feedback with that? Uh, well, honestly, I think that's the best kind of relationship because I'm like you, Tove. I like someone who's a little different than me because I think it creates a balance. So if they're not understanding mm-hmm. each other, that can be like Janice said, a good thing. You know, you don't have to understand each other. It's just finding that way to that you both are different to balance each other out. And eventually it complements the other. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. I I have always been attracted to people who have been who are really different than me, and and while some of those differences can feel frustrating, 
they are also, uh, I look at them as really amazing opportunities for to grow and, and expand my heart and my mind, you know, and, and just because they're my thoughts or my feelings, it doesn't mean I'm right. I found that when I date, when I've dated people that were a lot like me, very similar personality traits that we butt heads a lot. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Like I, I need someone who's different than me to help to balance out. Yeah. yeah and, and I like that. Things like political, you know, I don't, I think, uh, a political issue is one way where we just really might not understand one another. Tom and I are really different in our political views. And so we just don't talk about it. <laughs> it's yeah. the one part. I mean, we just don't talk about is it. Is it ever hard not to talk about it? Not for me because I haven't watched the news in 14 years. Oh, that's years. a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else has been inundated with all is. this. That's all they hear or think about, you know, if you're not watching the news, yeah, you're, but Tom will, you know, he definitely has some opinions that are different from mine. So we just made a decision probably three or four years ago. Well, actually, I think it was the last election. And we were like, you know what? Let's just take that off the table for discussion so that that's not yeah. an area of conflict. Because I wasn't going to convince him to come on over to my side, and he wasn't going to get me on his side. So rarely can you yeah. get someone to switch sides anyway yeah exactly nobody convinces each other of anything uh -huh, it's the illusion of politics mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know it's what makes the world go around like i like it when people think differently sure i'm fascinated by it and i always learn something yeah um okay this one came in this morning and i feel like this one is probably going to be um something that a lot of guys are asking and it says my wife and I are not on the same page sexually I feel like for her that is a huge chore how do I get us on the same page every guy has felt this at some point in a relationship I can tell you that <laughs> well and I have to tell you I think some girls do too I have I have people that I've met with and people that I work with where the girl is the initiator and the guy uh, just doesn't have the same you're the, right where the drives don't match i should rephrase every you know, person has felt this at some point yeah, yeah. and they've been on one side or the other of it well you know, you know whether they feel like they're over initiating right. or being under initiated so so read the actual question again okay uh it's so, my wife and I are not on the same page sexually. I feel like for her, sex is a chore. How do I get us on the same page? So, uh, so, so I think you're looking at there's one page and then there's another page. And so I don't think you're going to maybe get on the same page. Again, it's kind of like the understanding is you give up the illusion that you're going to be exactly alike on the same page. So if you can, if, you know, if somebody's at 25, the other one is at 75, then maybe what you do is you try to get to 55 and 45, you know, so that you and you have a conversation about what is that difference? Is it that the guy wants sex at night and the woman's exhausted, which I think happens a lot of times with women because especially when they have little kids, you know, they're just tired and men tend to, they can for sure be too tired to have sex, but a lot of times they're not. They can kind of get going 
you know, even if they're tired. But women, it's, it is a little more difficult to get going when they're really fatigued. So I think that you want to ask that question. If Let's say the guy says, you know, I don't feel like you're on the same page. And then, but the woman is, needs to be able to say, well, tell me what, what, what does that mean to you? What does that page yeah, what, look what like? Page <laughs> yeah. You want me to dress up like Sally Schoolgirl with Oxfords and a mini skirt? <laughs> Pigtails? I'm telling you, it's very simple. There's a solution here that's really easy. That I think every guy would be on the same term with. Just say once a month, even just you decide when we do it. Just come on to me in some way or another so that I feel desired like I did before we were married, you know? I think that's a common thing because mm-hmm. like, guys say nothing changed in me when we got married. So it's a very confusing thing. Um, but I think a lot of it is just that lack of feeling desired. Like, why is she so not interested in having sex with me anymore? Well, and I have, yeah. so you talk about that. You say, I'm confused and I feel sad about the fact that we're, you're not coming on to me. Um, is there something that I could do differently that would increase your desire to come on to me and, you know, and see what she says? And then maybe you can negotiate. I like what you said, Kevin, about maybe once a month, will you just initiate? Just, yeah, hey. Just, did you decide when yeah, it sounds good to you? You know what yeah. I mean? Just surprise me in some way. Yeah. Just say, hey, you want to roll in the hay? Yeah. And the, I guarantee the game will be, yeah, I do. Because <laughs> I think a lot of women, too, that their response is, well, you're not coming on to me as often, and every time you do, we end up having sex. But it's like, that's not the point. I don't want to always have to be the one, you know? Because well, then it makes it seem like like, uh, like the guy, was it this guy who said it felt like it feels like a chore for his wife? Or was that the one before? Yeah, anyway, yes. Yeah, you don't want it to feel like that. No, that's not, that's, that is not, men don't feel great about when, when their wife or girlfriend is like, oh, Exactly. Okay, okay. And they take their clothes off and they lie down and they look up and count the, t- count the tiles on the ceiling and look at their watch. They know it's going to take about 45 seconds <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and it's very primal, but this is something that ties directly into every man's self-worth. I don't know why. It just does. Well, because I, I think because once men started becoming sexual, once guys start becoming sexual at about age 16, 14 to 16, and there are 14-year-olds that are sexual, then, you know, they get, they feel a sense of value and a sense of being lovable that they don't talk about in the locker room or their dad probably doesn't talk about it. So it's not, for guys, women think it's just so they can get their cookies, but it isn't. I mean, guys have a huge emotional attachment to it, and they feel lovable and loved when sex is in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, and sometimes people don't talk about it enough, like, I know that when men, uh, I, I think I may have said this in here before, that, you know, men sometimes think it's going to turn their wife on if he comes up and tweaks her boob, you know, and that's our slaps her on the rear like a racehorse. And, and that's not what they need. So that's not what a woman wants. But a guy doesn't necessarily know that. So you want to say to him, hey, when you do that, I don't feel armorous, armorous towards you, uh, but... I would if you came up from behind me and just gave me a big hug and told me I looked pretty, you know. So, yeah, but sometimes sure. we don't know when you first get into relationships. It's just real physical, you know. And everybody's hormones are, and you're releasing all these chemicals in your brain. 
And then with time and you get into real life, that's going to subside somewhat. It won't be exactly like it was from the very beginning, but you can certainly nurture that. But conversations about it are great. Even the conversation about it can turn people on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can tell you, say one thing now. Sorry, Doug. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say one message to any guy who's in this situation. If you say, you know, any guy who's stubborn that if she's not going to come on to me, I'm not, I'm just not going to come on to her and it's just not going to happen until she does it, whatever. They will wait you out every single time. You'll never win that. It just will not happen. It's going to be a lonely <laughs> life. They can wait you out forever. So that's not a good card to play. I don't know that that strategy is a, is a productive strategy. No, no, I don't think it is. No, you got to talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. And we are not taught to talk about sex. Definitely, yeah. I know. I, I, I laugh about that all the time, thinking about how we get naked with these people, but we can't have a conversation about getting naked with these people. Yeah. It just makes no sense to me. Yeah. You know, and- I met with a cute young couple last week, and they were talking about how he was, he was talking about his frustrations. They're not even married yet about how he initiates sex and you know he's the initiator and he it's hard it's hard on him you know he he said it was 80 20 and he's like i would just like it to be a little bit more and she said i'm so sorry like it just makes me sad i didn't know it meant so much to you and she said you know i you're so handsome and i desire you so much she's like i just don't think about it the way that you do and she was like but once i get started I love it, you know, and so I think that that's something that's really important for women to remember, like, it may not always be your number one activity, choices, you know, but once you start it, it it is fabulous, and it's so important to a relationship. Yeah, it really is, and it doesn't take, it's not like it's a big time suck, you know, it it doesn't take an hour. You know, but I, I also yeah. think that I also you're, think you're really lucky. That's funny. Exposed again. Oh, gosh. The conversations I'm having with my client. With my people about how how long it is. That's really funny. Well, and you know, another thing that I think is would be kind of fun for couples to do is to, you know, write out some things that some ways that they could spice it up, and then yeah, that's really good. And talk about that, and and then put it in a jar and then draw one out, you know, and, and act on that. If you want to do it on your back patio or in the back seat of the car, or if you want a different location, or if you want to dress up into costumes or, you know, whatever it is, <clears throat> as long as it's not going to be like bringing in a third party, unless that's how you roll. But, you know, you're gonna, uh, but I do think that, I think that some of those things can really spice it up. I, don't, I have a question the legality of it, but doing it in public is always pretty cool. <laughs> like where? In, in front of the cam- in front of your studio? Do you ever no, do it no. there? <laughs> Not to think about. Why would I do that? I have a locked studio with a couch in here. Yeah, you can totally do <laughs> yeah. that. You can record it, sound mic it. <laughs> I don't want to see that. 
Yeah, I don't want to see myself. There's a, there's a guitar in this studio right now. You could serenade her. There's a, all kinds of opportunity in here. I never yeah, thought. Yeah, there really are. You've got padded walls. <laughs> yeah, nobody can hear anything. <laughs> Can I borrow this place? <laughs> Maybe I'll rent it out. She, he's going to rent it out to us, Toba. <laughs> oh, goodness. That's hilarious, Jeff. Oh, gosh. Um, okay, next question. This is a good one. How do men balance being open to therapy, growth, and vulnerability in a world that hasn't valued that in men historically? I think that's a really good question. Well, I, I think that's a good question, too. The good news is, is that it is more comfortable for men to do that now than it used to be. I probably yeah. I probably have probably 35% of the clients that I see individually are men, and uh, which is kind of surprising. And a lot of couples, you know, I always said if I had a dime for every guy that came into therapy with his wife and said, I, I'm just here to make her happy, <laughs> then, you know, I'd have a lot more money. But, you know, but now I think guys are, are, they are more proactive about it, which is really, really cool. Yeah. I do think that tide is turning, but I do know that there are still a lot of men who struggle with their feelings, who struggle to be vulnerable, who look at crying or excessive emotion or emotion as a weakness, you know. And and so for those men who just have a hard time tapping into their their emotions, I mean, what do you, how do you what do you say to that? I mean, if a couple comes in and a, a woman wants or would like for her husband to have a little bit more capacity when it comes to emotions, and he's just not interested because he's old school and he thinks it's weak and he thinks it's lame, um, how do you how do you work with that? Well. Well, first of all, there's a great book by a guy named Terrence Real, who was one of my mentors and wrote the uh, forward to my book. And he's written a book called I Don't Want to Talk About It. And it's about it says, I don't want to talk about it, a male overt and covert depression. So a lot of men do have a have a covert depression, which is just a really low. A lot of people have a covert depression I always say we could probably use a little Lexpro in the water but um, but but men have feelings they just don't know what to do with them because they've been taught to not feel them I mean you've we used to have a a comic in our office a comic strip in our office that there's a board meeting and there are about four guys in the corner hugging. And it says one guy who's sitting at the table says to the other guy, you can always tell the people who are in therapy, you know? And so they just aren't taught to put words to their feelings. I can see, I can feel feelings coming from people when they're like in my office and I'll stop and I'll say, wait, hold on just a second. What are you feeling? And the guy will say, I don't know. And I'll say, cause you look really sad. Your eyes look like they're watering a little and your your demeanor, you're slumping a little. Are you sad? And you know, and and once you throw that out to them, they'll they'll own it. Or wow, I bet does that make do you feel fear when she talks about leaving? 
or, you know, and then you go back and do the, a little bit of family of origin work, which is what needs to happen so that because we tell little boys very early on to not cry. I will never forget when Owen, my oldest grandson, was probably two, and we were somewhere, and there were some other adults there, and Owen started crying, and this other this woman said to him, don't cry, Owen, don't cry, you're a boy, don't cry, and, mm. you know, and so that's where that comes from, I mean, people don't go to the huddle talking about, oh, you afraid to run out there and try to catch that ball? Those defensive backs are so gigantic, you know, so they don't talk about it, but they've got them. So it's not like people don't have them. I mean, a sociopath doesn't have some of them, but, but most men are not sociopath. And so once you teach them how to tap into this and talk about adding a little spice to your sex life, there is nothing more attractive to a woman than a man who has the capacity to talk about his feelings. Exactly right. Exactly right. 100%. And as, and as a woman, you can say to your husband or your partner, you can say, are you feeling sad right now? Or they come home and the market goes way down or something. And if you'll say, wow, is that scary to you? And if they're like, no, no. You say, really? It really isn't scary to you? And then they might say, well, it's a little bit scary. And you say, yeah, I'll bet it, I'll bet it is too. So they can learn how to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it is a learned, it is a learned behavior, for sure. Well, Tova, I and had to learn how to do it. Yeah, I for sure. I wasn't taught to feel my feelings and name them. I mean, you know, women, we've been taught, men have been taught that they're cry babies if they cry or they're babies if they cry and women have been taught that we're bitches if we get angry and uh-huh yeah 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 that's a yeah a drama queen i also come from an, an older generation where if you cry you're gay i mean oh. that was a common thing growing up for in my you know, really definitely yeah if you cried in front of another guy you'd be like gay I mean, um, that's not as common yeah. anymore. I think that's totally kind of specific to my generation. Yeah, that was a big, that that's big thing. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, not helpful. <laughs> yeah, I, and I think that men, you know, men, uh, I, what my experience has been is that a lot of men really do like therapy once they're into it. They just don't like walking in the door the first time. Yeah, that's 100% my experience as well. I, I think they are always surprised at how productive and helpful it actually is. Yeah. For sure. Um, okay. Uh, how can I know when you just want to be listened to, when you want to be encouraged or affirmed, when you would like input and ideas, or when you just want some time for yourself to process the challenge of frustration you're facing? I think this is probably a very common question for men um, who are watching their significant other go through something and they feel at a loss of what to do because men tend to want to fix it and they want to hurry and fix it so that everything can be okay as quickly as possible. Um, and so they start trying to communicate um things that will hurry and fix it. <laughs> right. Well, and, you, 
Well, I was just going to say, so you asked that question. Is you say, and Terry talks about this in his marriage book, The New Rules of Marriage, which is a great book for uh, for married people. But he says, you say, okay, what kind of listener do you want me to be right now? Do you want me to be a fix-it listener? Do you want me to just hear you? Do you want me to make suggestions? Do you want me to mem- talk back to you about what I heard? You know, to where, so you have that conversation. Because you're right, men oh, yeah. will men will definitely try to fix it, and so will a therapist. <laughs> and, you know, I did the other day, one of my daughters and I were on a walk, and she was talking about something, and she asked me a question, and I said, so do you want... So do you want my opinion or do you want me to just hear you? And she said, no, I want your opinion. And I'm like, okay, because, you know, sometimes I don't really want it. Yeah, no, and that, that, that's like such a simple solution, but that, it sounds so simple. I know it's hard because men, I, I think, and this is just me throwing out a, a really, <laughs> a statement that may or may not be true, but it feels like men just want, to hurry and make everything okay. And women tend to be okay, tend to be more okay than men with like feeling the feeling of like, okay, I don't know what the answer is. I don't need to even fix it tonight, but I'm just sad about it. Or I need to cry about it or whatever it is. Like men, I think men look at us like they have three heads. Like, why would you, why would you want to cry about that? tonight? Like, why don't we hurry and find a solution to make it go away? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, sometimes when we talk about what's going on with us, we can more easily come up with our own solution to, by putting words to it, you know, you can kind of see it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like this one. Um, when there is a conflict or something stressful or a disagreement between me, he says between us and between me and me. Okay, what is the best way to be reconnect and move forward? So, Tova, will you repeat that? I could not understand one yeah, thing you said. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Okay, okay. It says when there is a conflict, something stressful, or a disagreement between us, what is the best way to regroup, reconnect, and move forward? Well, I encourage people to take a time out if they don't, if they need a, if they need space. But I always say it needs to be between thirty minutes and two hours. If you get much longer than that, then it's really easy to not go back in and really look at what happened or try to solve the problem. So, uh, so sometimes you need a space. But but I want mm-hmm. but you what what we call it is contracting for space, and there and like you say like I said there needs to be a time limit on in that contract. Yeah, and and you know you know what I, I mean I have noticed this in my own relationships so I could have easily asked this question because I feel like and Janice this is something you helped me with I feel like recovery timelines are different for different individuals. Yeah. So, you know, if I, if we have a disagreement and something is said or done that wasn't kind or was hard or difficult, my recovery time might, might be a little bit longer than 
the person who's on the other side of me. And, and so I asked you one time, Janice, I was like, I, I was in conflict with some, somebody or something. And, and the person I was in conflict with, you know, they had apologized. They, they were ready to move forward, but I just, I I, I can forgive and I forgave, but I just needed a minute. I wasn't going to get back to where we were just because somebody apologized. You know, I just needed a minute. And I remember you telling me, you know, it can take up to 24 to 48 hours to just really feel like reconnected or reengaged to the way that you want to. And so, and I really appreciated that because I think it's really important to allow yourself and allow your partner a, a reasonable, a reasonable recovery time when there, when there's conflict. Yeah. Yes. Especially if somebody's hurt their, had their feelings hurt or, you know, there was like something that was really not kind or something that was said that wasn't very kind, you know, it just takes a minute. Like Kevin, this might be a really personal question for you and Elise, but do you two, when you have conflict, do you have the same recovery time? No, absolutely not. Even if I'm really mad, I'm over it pretty fast and she's not. But I do, yeah. I, I, I do so, have a place to escape, though, which I like. My parents' house is only 30 minutes away. The office is only 25 minutes away. Yeah. It's, that's actually funny. I've, I've slept here in my office, but I've never had sex in here. <laughs> that couch happens to pull out into a little bed. Elise, get ready, girl. So I He's do, coming in strong. Coming I do like strong. to get away and take some time. But, uh, I, I mean, any time that's happened and where, you know, where we split for a night, the next morning I'm already over it for sure. She may not be. Um, and even if it's just a small argument, I'm over it in two seconds, and she's not. She may take a day. So if you're going to have a, a time period of over two hours to reconnect, that's fine, but, but I want you to reconnect. I don't want you going silent for 48 hours. That's going to be way too hard on the person that needs to reconnect. Yeah, because for me, enough time slips by that I'm, I don't care anymore. Yeah. But it's not going to be like she's still going to yeah. be just as angry as she was the night before. Yeah. Yeah. So what you could do if somebody says, you know what, I think I need about 24 hours just to regroup. And that I that would have to be a pretty big something for me to think, you know, I mean, and and sometimes we have those things. But then after like every two hours or something, if you just touch base, hey, how you doing? I'm okay. Well, you know, I'll talk to you, you know, tomorrow or whatever, but just to give a, a yes. little something. And usually those are few and far between. It has to be something pretty big that oh, happened yeah. for that. Oh, yeah, for that amount of time, yeah. I remember uh, when I went suit shopping and picked out my suit for our wedding and tried it on, and she hated it. She did? And that did? was, like, a huge deal for me. So, like, I take very, you know, take my clothes seriously, and, like, I worked really hard on it, and I loved it. I thought it was awesome, and she hated it. And, um... She like demanded that I that I get a different one, and I was like, "No, this is my thing. This is my decision." <laughs> so that was one of the ones where I came, I you know, stormed out and came here to my parents' house for a couple of days. But yeah, if, if that's happening a lot, then I think you have some deeper issues. Yeah. yeah. What? So what'd you do with your suit? I got a different one. I got a you navy did. one. Yep. She did not like the gray window pane, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> and then on the cover of this magazine, like two weeks later, they had Matthew McConaughey wearing that exact suit, and oh I was like, my. "Told you that suit is awesome." <laughs> Anyway, 
Matthew McConaughey. But yeah, I, I fold it. me of Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. It is a compliment. <laughs> but yeah, I folded and got a different uh, one, of course. <laughs> Putting my foot down didn't I work. Great question, because I know that, I mean, I really think any guy that I've ever had a relationship with, my recovery time has always taken longer than his. And, and you know, it's not like I'm punishing. I'm not doing it to, I think that that's an important piece too. Like, uh-huh. it's like, why are you taking time? Do you need a minute or are you withdrawing to punish the other person? I don't think that's productive or effective. No. Right. And, you know, so I guess I, I would I would ask that question, too. Like, why do you need the time? Like, why do you, what is it about that time? You know, sometimes I just I just need a minute to feel like I want to be fully reconnected. And I know I'll get there. And uh, I just need a minute. Yeah. And it's, it helps sometimes to have a little distance to process really what happened and to get a different perspective. When you're in the heat of it, then at least for me, when I'm in the heat of something, that I'm I'm kind of pointing my bony finger at him and looking at what he's doing that's making me mad rather than my reactivity to what he was doing. And then with some distance, I can be like, okay, yeah, well, I totally took that way too seriously. Right, right, yeah, which we can. Yeah, we can. yeah. Okay, next question. How do you keep dating someone to see where things go when they want to move faster in a relationship before you're ready? Well, I'm a little bit confused about that. So maybe, so maybe what, this is what I'm kind of thinking. Let me know if you think this is right. So somebody wants to like maybe get engaged more quickly than some, the other person or something like that, or are they talking about moving Moving more quickly physically. Or like making it official like a relationship rather than just casually dating. That's how I'm thinking it with Kevin, but the way Kevin sees it. So uh, when I read this question, I hear, let's say a guy and girl have just started dating maybe a month and the guy really likes her and really wants to move forward into a committed relationship, but the girl isn't sure yet, but she's not ready to call it off. She's not ready to commit. So yeah. how do you reconcile? I guess he's going guess too fast. Be on anything. Like how how do you how do you continue to date if you're not on the exact same page on defining the relationship? And, and that's common. I I've been in relationships where I know that I was the one moving too fast, and then I've dated women who also thought were going too fast. You know, and it can be kind of intimidating. Yeah, it really Absolutely. can be. And. Yeah, I uh, so here's what I think, and I I know that not everybody's going to agree with me. I think if you're doing the dirty, then you're in a committed relationship. And so ideally, if you can hold off on that a little bit and give yourself some space, I mean, a sociopath can fake it for up to four to six months. And so you're not going to really know who that person is within a month, two months, three months. Nobody waits nowadays three months before they have sex. Or I'm sure some people do, but I don't really know many people that do. So, you know, once once you once you once you become sexual, you you really want to define what that looks like because most people, if they're gonna be sexual with one person, they really don't want that person being sexual with someone else. And and 
I mean, I know people do it, but I think that there, when you become sexual, there's just no way around that you can't, aren't going to have some emotional attachment to it unless you are used to having many partners. And, and if that's how you roll, I mean, that's okay with me, but I can't, I, I would think that one of the two people would not have that sort of same value around sexuality. Right. I, I Kevin has a perplexed look on his face. What do you no, think? No, I'm not. I'm just oh, listening. you're not? No, oh, no. okay. <laughs> I think you said something interesting there, Janice. You said, I think that if you're having sex with somebody, then you are in a committed relationship. I think the only thing, only word I would add in there is, you know, I hope you would be in a committed relationship. I think the problem can, can be that... I think you're right. People are not waiting to have sex. And yet you you and I have talked about this a thousand times on this podcast. Women use sex to, to, to get in with the guys, guys tend to use money and power. And so sex women tend to rush sex because they want to, they want to hurry and capture the guy. They want to get his attention. They want, they want that relationship to fast forward. And so I, I do think that it gets really, really, really tricky. I think that for, when I read this question and I think about the times where I've been dating someone and they wanted something different than I did, but I wasn't ready to like cut it. You know, I just wasn't sure. ready to, to be committed or I wasn't ready to be intimate on any level, but I was still very much interested in getting to know them. I think the most important thing is setting up expectations and communicate from the very beginning. Right. Because you can't go wrong. You cannot go wrong if you just say your truth. And there's no reason if you like you said, if you want to, you know, screw around with a bunch of different people at the same time and you're not interested in a committed relationship, then that's your choice. It's, we live in a free country. However, if, if I was on the other side of that, I would want the opportunity to say, okay, I don't mind that either. Or no, that's not how I go. You know, that's not how I want this to go. So if you're going to be sleeping with other people, then I'm, I'm not going to have sex with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think you have to so, define what does commitment mean? What's a committed relationship? Does yes. that mean that you yes. are monogamous with that one person? And and how do you define that? I remember talking to Tom about this when we first started dating. I said, you know, when I'm in a re- committed relationship with somebody, what that means to me is that you're not kissing anybody else. You're not calling other women. You're not dancing with other women. You're not in a bar, you know, you know, not, shoulder to shoulder else, with an, and you're, else. and you're sure not, you're sure not having sex with anybody else, you know? And so, so that needs to be really defined. And, and I was nervous having that conversation with Tom and he, it was, it was so cool because his response was, that's exactly the way I feel too. So we were like, okay, that was, that was good. But I think it's important that you actually define that because that can really, that can really mess with your mind and it can mess with the relationship. 
and Look, guys can have very different perceptions of where that line is. They, you know? that yes, they sure can. And you know, you don't. You know what happens to people is we build up a fantasy about people, and we and a lot of us tend to build that up long before we have time to see reality. And and so and and when you when you are having sex, you know it it it's really easy to step into oh my gosh, this is my Prince Charming and we're going to be happily married forever and ever. And that's not what sex necessarily means. And so it's, um, it can, it, it just takes time. I uh, was talking to a young girl the other day and she had dated this guy for six months. And she said, I mean, I thought this was it. He was so into me and blah, 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 blah. And she said, and then he just called me and said, I'm out. And I said, yeah. Four to six months, it takes at least that long to really see who somebody is. I, I, I'm so glad I learned that from you, and and I teach it to everybody who will listen. I mean, you, whenever I would first start to date someone, I'd be like, oh, he's amazing. You would always get, seen. Yeah, I'd say he appears to be amazing. He appears to be kind. Yeah, it is kind of fun though and exciting when you're young and playing fast and loose. You know, you know. I know that becomes less appealing as people mature, but sorry, Tove, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I think you know it takes that long for somebody to have a full access pass to me. And let me tell you something, I. I was when, when last week I was Craig and I were actually talking about this. But I don't know how it came up, but I was like, "Is it kind of a pain in the butt sometimes when when you meet someone and you listen to my podcast and me preach a sermon and they're like, oh my gosh, you're doing Tito, like you know how lucky you are,' da, da. and he, and I said, "Do you ever want to be like, yeah, you don't even." You don't even know. <laughs> he was like, why do you think preacher's kids are the most messed up of all? Um, uh, but, you know, we all, if you're with someone long enough, long enough, and that's why, that's why you love somebody. That's why you actually do fall in love with somebody is because they love you and they know you. Like, well, and you, you know, and, and they still love you. And it changes when you're in the beginning phase of a relationship. Our bodies change, our brains change, and that Tom and I laugh a lot about it because he, I, I cannot stand to eat cooked salmon. I like raw salmon, but I just I cannot eat it. And after we dated about a month, he grilled some cooked salmon because he loves it, and it was delicious. And then the next time he cooked it, it was terrible. <laughs> so I think that my taster was tainted. <laughs> wow, that is so fascinating. That is interesting. That's a really good lesson. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a good lesson for all of us. I mean, and in his his apartment, it was kind of messy. And I always and I looked at it and I was like, oh my gosh, it's so cutie, so laid back. And then when we were married, I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's not very cute. He's messy. <laughs> when you're having to pick up after him, it's yeah. nice. Attractive. Anyway. I need you to stop being so laid back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, okay, how do I parent a teenage, 
So how do I parent a teenage daughter that pushes me away? That's tough. Yeah, Tove, I don't think you've had to deal with that yet. No. I, thank God, I have not had to deal with that. But, um, but I, I really, 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 really feel for people who do because I... I think I would just run the Janice's office. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I, I I really do think that I'm. I bet eighty five percent to ninety percent of adolescents push their moms away, and they're doing it partly because they are coming into their own value system. They're. Eric Erickson identified the adolescent phase as going from dependence to independence and role confusion. I don't know who I am to role identity, and the only way we they kids can define really their their identity is to push away somewhat from their home identity because up until that point they are what the environment has told them to be pretty much and so as difficult as it is it it, it it's a real normal sort of a, a sort of a of a pathway for for adolescents and and especially girls and you know i would think though like with you and anna Prentova, i think that your your all circumstances have been so unique and i think you're such a unique informed mom that you have a better skill for that than a lot of us have had you know and um and so I think it's really normal, and I think that you put words to that to that teenager. You say, you know, I'm struggling a little bit because I'm still your parent, and I, there are still some rules around in this house, and I can tell that you're pushing away from us some, and I want you to know that I understand that that is natural, and that's part of you growing up, but I am going to insist that blah, 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 blah happens, and that we have some discussions about some of it, and you parent anyway, even if they've pushed you away. But you set limits and you, and you, you know, your ma- basic leverage with adolescents is uh, an automobile, money, and co- um, a phone, and, you know, Friday and Saturday nights. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I would say to this parent or this dad, especially when it comes to their daughters, is just keep showing up, keep, keep, you know, I hear this like pushing me away and I'm thinking, okay, but just because she's pushing you away doesn't mean you should go away. Oh no, you can't go away. Yeah, that's right. And and, you know, but I think a lot of a lot of parents or a lot of dads would be like, well, she doesn't want me there or she hates me or she, she doesn't like me to hug her. She hates when I tell her I love her, you know, and yeah, just because they're pushing you away, I would say it doesn't mean they really want you. Away. No, you know, it's just- yeah, I agree. And I think as far as the physical touch is concerned, I think you want to leave that up to, to the daughter. And I think that what the dad could say is, hey, I'd really like to give you a, a hug. Are you cool with that? And if she's like, no, I don't want to be hugged, then I would I would respect that. Because they're also really territorial um with their body sometimes with their parents, you know, sometimes they don't want, 
They don't want to even, they don't want their mom to hug them or they don't want their mom to kiss them on the cheek. I, I would like to say that I do not believe that it's okay to kiss your child on the lips. So um, if you're doing that, you might stop doing that just because I think that's going to feel a little creepy to the kiddo. And, um, but I do think that you want to try to honor where they are with all of that. And I remember thinking my dad was so, my dad was silly. He was funny and would crack jokes. And it just used to embarrass me to death when I was in middle school um, and high school. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want my parents anywhere around me. I mean, if I could have gone and rented an apartment, I probably would have. Lord help me. I'm so glad I didn't, <laughs> you know, and my parents were not, they were sweet. <laughs> I was so just, uh, I was just bratty. It has so little to do with us and so much to do with, with, um, you know, it's just part of growing up and life it, and figuring yourself out and finding your voice. And it is. You know, it, yes. it's just, natural natural progression yeah it's not and about you know i think i think they come back they do come oh back. yes oh yes and it's not about the parent it's about the child like you said and not take to try not to take it personally would be a big help it's difficult much easier said than done but it would it does make a difference i mean they're just i mean it, i guarantee if you polled a people, you just would be shocked. Everybody has the same story. And oh, guys, yeah. Isn't that the yeah, yeah. It's kind of funny when you look at me. I'm the one kid in my family that rebelled and pushed away. And I'm the only one that still lives near my parents. <laughs> uh huh. After you, all that, you came back. Yeah. <laughs> I got a brother in LA, a sister in New York, and I'm still 30 minutes from Flower Mound. I love it. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're so lucky to have them. you, Kevin. <laughs> oh, I, oh! I mean, that uh, that daughter in Australia. I, she she listens to this, and she's give, given it or uh, told so many of her uh, Aussie friends about it, about our podcast, and and uh, I just am so jealous when people's kids are in Dallas, all of them, because it, thank goodness I have my oldest and my youngest, but man. That eighteen-hour yeah, plane would be ride really hard. Yeah, That'd be really hard if my kids eventually go away. I know. That's tough. I only see them like once a year, hard. and that was before COVID. Yeah, your siblings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so. Yeah, it's just strange. I know. But you get used to it, which I know isn't really a good thing because you know, time just goes by faster yeah. when you get older. Yeah. Um, okay, how do I teach my kids about God? When I don't feel like I have the answers. I grew up in a very religious home where my parents had all the answers. And sometimes it makes me feel uncomfortable to not know. Well, none of us know. We believe. Yes. You know, and, um, and we've had experiences that help transfer that belief into a knowing. Um, but we don't absolutely no no <laughs> but i think that i think that you go on that journey with your child and i think you are honest about it and you say you know i don't really know a lot about this but let's learn about this together and there are so many great books about how 
<clears throat> how to talk with kids or if they're teenagers, you could read a devotional together and talk about it at dinner or go on that journey side by side because I think our our knowings are always expanding. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, it, we, exp- I mean, I, I learned something, you know, not every day, but certainly every week, a new kind of, oh my goodness, now that has traveled that long 12 inches from my brain to my heart. And, and so then yeah. I, I can let that settle in that, but uh, yeah, I would go on that journey with them. I think it'd be really fun. Yeah, and I would say allow them to also have their own journey. Yes, you know, yes. Growing growing up in a very conservative religion and also even just being a youth pastor. You know, I would, at the church for seven years at Holland Park Methodist, I had, I cannot tell you how many parents came into my office or called me on the phone completely freaking out because their kids weren't aligned in the same way that they were spiritually. And whether it was because they wanted to go to another church or they didn't, they were questioning God or you know, like parents, I don't know what it is. My parents certainly did when I didn't want to be Mormon anymore. They took it so personal. Yeah, It's not personal. This is my life and my journey. And you know what? It's their life and their journey. Yeah, And so we can make these introductions to our beliefs or our faith systems and what, what we, what feels good to us. But I think it's so important for for all of us to give, you know, our children are not, we don't own them. We do not own our children. They are not ours. They are God's and they deserve to have their own journey. Yeah, their own and, awakening, for sure. Yes, yes. And so I would say, if they're questioning, that is, oh, I mean, I think it is such a compliment to you as a parent if you have introduced your children to a faith system or a belief system, and then they have the courage and the confidence to question it or figure out what they believe on their own. I mean, to me, um, I would be like, go, go figure it out. Spread your wings. Oh yeah. That's so true. Like I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really important part of the process. So it, it, they are not ours. They're gods. And we do the best we can. We love them. We can, we can, teach them or, or talk to them about what we believe, but but they're, they are not puppets. They are not our puppets. No, no. Um, okay. Is it a double standard to want to date someone with no kids when I have kids? No, (laughs) no, (laughs) I think that's just fine. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely just fine. Good luck with that. <laughs> no, I really do. I don't think that you have to have the exact same layout. And if you want and if you want to be with somebody who doesn't have children, then, you know, depending on how old you are, you may have a pretty good chance of finding that. 
But if not, then, yeah, sometimes it's really difficult to blend families, but it, but it, sometimes it's not for sure, you know? So, uh, yeah, I think if that's your standard, then stand on it. Yeah, I agree. You know, there's no cookie cutter, like perfect, this is how it should go, or this is the most ideal. I mean, you know, I have kids, Craig has kids, and you know, that, that just, that makes it more interesting. But you know what? Like, I don't want to be his kid's mom. They don't need me to be a mom. I don't, my children don't need anybody other than their dad to be their dad. Like, the way that I look at somebody that I'm dating, if they ever meet my children, is that's just one more person to love my kid. Yeah. Like, that's all that is to me. It's just another person in their orbit who who gets to love my children. And if I'm dating someone and I have an opportunity to meet their kids because eventually that's where it goes, and I'm just one more person in their orbit that, that gets to love them. Like yeah. I don't need to do anything else other than that. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. So, Okay, this is our last question. Y'all ready? Ready. Oh, man, we've already been going over an hour. All right, Keith. Okay, last question. How do you know, and this is kind of a hard question, how do you know what you want in a relationship or in a man? Not just what qualities do you look for, but how do you decide what you want and what is fulfilling and meaningful in a relationship? I think that takes some reflection. I think that takes introspection. That's a pretty broad, open-ended question. Yeah, that's a big, long (laughs) one. Well, I think one of the things you do is you write down what you want in a guy, and you make a a list. I mean, I did that, and I think I've talked about this. Well, I know I have. When... And I had like 22 things on my card of what I wanted in a guy. Now, that was my, that was pretty much my ideal guy. And there were a few things that I was willing to compromise on, but not a whole lot of them. And so, first of all, you need to know yourself what you want and what sort of guy and and what sort of values they have. And I think... um, how, if you have children, how they're going to be with your kids. And so I think it's kind of an evolutionary process as you're dating somebody, but you're going I think you write about it. I think journaling about that is a very, very, very good thing to do because then you put it on paper and then you can look at it and you can go back and scratch a couple of things out that are you like, oh yeah, that really doesn't matter. And then you star the things that are absolute deal breakers and circle the things that are, you know, 50-50, you might do without it or you might not. And then you have kind of a, you have a, a, a plan that you put out into the universe and you claim it for yourself and it's just like, you know, and I read in my, one of my devotional books, it was talking about claiming and planning what you wanted your life to look like. And it's like an architect, you know, draws up a plan for a house, but there's no house there yet. But if you don't know what you want, then you don't know what to claim and you don't know what to look for. So I think, I think that that would, that's, that's my suggestion to that. What do you think, Teva? I love it. Yeah. I, when you were saying that, uh, what came to my mind is that quote, 
you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. You know, if you don't, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you don't know what you're looking for, if you don't know what's important to you, then how are you going to know when you see it? Yeah, that's right. That is right. right. I mean, I, I made my list of your encouragement and I, I just think it's, I think it's a really, really, really important exercise. And like you said, like I always giggle when you talk about how hair, like he had, you would have preferred if he had hair on his head and, and I mean, all the qualities that you wrote down, including hair, Tom has, Uh and you know, there's no reason, there's no reason to stop until you get what you want. Yeah. And, 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 that's just not. And that was the you know that was one thing that I I mean if I I could have fallen in love with somebody who didn't have hair that that was possible for sure but that was just one of the things that I thought you know I put like at least five nine or five ten and he's five eleven so <laughs> that worked. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Tom is good. Tom is good. So are you. Y'all are. Just such a cute little man. Oh, that's sweet. A stud and a studette. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, thanks. Okay, well, we, um, that's it. That's it for this week. And, and so now we have a full week of, of time for other people to submit things. Okay, so will you define it again for us, Janice? Yes. Exactly what we want to Yes, the well, question is, and, and, and the female listeners can ask their husbands this question, too. Are there are people, their next-door neighbor like me? I stopped people on the Katy Trail. <laughs> and, we should do that. Huh? We should go out there and do that. That would actually be We really should fun. go out. Okay, let's do that. We'll do that before <laughs> Monday. <laughs> and um, so you say, what men want women to know about men? What, what men want women to know about men. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. This is going to be fun. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, let's do that. Wait. So when you get home, call me and we'll make a meeting time on the trail. <laughs> okay. I'll be back Wednesday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. You just let me know. Okay. Sounds good. All right, Kev. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Tom. you, Kevin. Bye, Tova. See you soon. Safe travel. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Hope all of you have a great week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Can't wait for next time. Me too.